You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So we're in this Lenten series, uh, Out of the Shadows, and this particular passage is an interesting one. Um, Jesus said that his hour had come. We're about halfway through the gospel. We're in, go- we're in the, the gospel of John chapter 12 here. And earlier, multiple times, Jesus would have said, my hour has not yet come. Like he was, he was kind of putting things off. Like his, his mother comes to him at the wedding at Canaan and says, hey, they're, they're out of wine. We need you to do something. And he says, woman, <clears throat> my hour has not yet come. He had said that over and over. But now it's time to go to Jerusalem. It's time for the festival of Passover. It's literally about the time of year we are in right now. And they said, hey, they're expecting you. And his disciples say, they're they're expecting you in Jerusalem. They want you to come. And he says, all right, I'll do it because my hour has come. Like, this is it. This is why Jesus came. So this is the expectation. We've heard that he was coming, and now now here he comes. But what is he coming for? Well, apparently, he's coming to die. Like, his expectation is that if he comes to Jerusalem, that it's not going to end well for him. And certainly, he would like for it to be different. But is he going to kind of shirk that responsibility? Is he going to go somewhere else? He says, no. I've come for this time. This is it. This is what it's all about. But then he prays and he says, uh, Father, glorify your name. And, And God says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. So how has he already glorified it? I think he's already glorified it in the fact that the incarnation, that God has come to be with us, that Jesus' very life, his, his birth, his childhood, his, his ministry, his miracles, his healings, the way in which he's provided, whether he's calmed the storms or whether he's healed the sick or whether he's um, uh, fed the, the multitude, in the breaking of the bread, all of that have been ways in which God has been glorified. But there's one last big way in which God will be glorified, and that is when Jesus goes to the cross. But as important as the cross is, the cross is never mentioned in Scripture without also a reference to the resurrection. Because it's not simply that Jesus dies for the world, It's that God responds to that death with the resurrection. So he uses it even here. I mean, it's not too explicit, but it's it's not also too cryptic either. Jesus says, if a seed isn't planted, if it doesn't go into the ground, then it never actually multiplies and produces anything. But if a seed goes into the ground, literally, if you take it and you bury it, right? It's dying. (laughs) You're placing it in the ground. You're burying it. It, it produces all of these other things, which is exactly what will happen to Jesus, right? Jesus will be killed, executed on a cross. He'll be buried. 
But then that's not the end of the story. That's nowhere near the end of the story. In some ways, that is a climax, but in not too distant future, he's resurrected, and that's what we're about to celebrate here in a few weeks. So next week is Palm Sunday, and the week after that is Easter. And we will all be coming out of the shadows into the light. So when he says this, though, it's interesting to see how people respond to it. Um, that is when God speaks, right? God says, I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again. And Jesus is like, that wasn't for me. That was for you all. Like, you needed to hear that. Except what did they actually hear? Because it says the crowds said they heard thunder. But some said he has spoken to an angel. And friends, this is where I think we find ourselves over and over and over again in our lives. God will be doing something, but we won't have the eyes to see it or the ears to hear it. Like, our capacity to doubt is so strong. Like, they heard the voice of God from heaven, but most of them said that was just thunder. Anything can be kind of explained away by our reasoning, by our, our rationale. And I realize there's lots of reasons why we might doubt. We just, we struggle in our lives or we think, well, why is it not like this or that? Right? We have these kind of intellectual doubts and we struggle with those. But then I think there's another source of doubt besides just our intellects and that, that is our struggles. I mean, things go bad for us. Diagnosis go bad and, and, and people aren't uh, delivered, right? Troubles come, pandemics, job losses, uh, all sorts of things happen and we experience it. And the experience of trouble, particularly the experience of evil, I think is one of the most difficult things for us to, to manage. Like, if God is good and if God is great, then why are things the way they are? I mean, if God is good and God is great, why are there so many people who are experiencing food insecurity, right? Why is it the folks over at Blessings and Hope is having to work so hard to provide those groceries? If God is good and God is great, then why are we having to say prayers for the sick every week? I mean, if God is good and God is great, then... Why are things not better than what they are? And, and that, I think, is the most difficult question for me. I'm, I'm being really honest with you today. As transparent as I can be, my doubts when I have them are not intellectual doubts. I, I can appreciate that God is other and that God is beyond my capacity to know. And the fact that there's a mystery in how we know God I'm very comfortable with. I can love God even if I can't fully explain God. In fact, if I could fully explain God, I don't know that he'd be all that worthy of my love or devotion. Does that make sense to you? So Augustine says to his congregation years and years ago back in North Africa, don't be frustrated if you don't understand what we're talking about because if you understood it, it would not be God. 
That the God that we serve is, is beyond our capacity to fully comprehend. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't truly know God. Like, I think we can truly know God. We just can't fully know God. I mean, I would even say that about my relationship with Angela, my wife. I mean, we've been married 30 years. I feel like I truly know her. But I don't know I want, that I want to say I fully know her. Right? I, we're still... We're still growing and, and loving and, and, you know, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not as easy, but still it's a relationship. So if that's the case between people, how much more would that be the case between people and God? So that, for me, that's not a struggle. I don't struggle with that one. However, this problem of evil is a difficult one for me. And sometimes I think maybe God's doing something and I'm kind of clouded by my doubt. Right? I think, well, that can't be God. That was just thunder. Right? I'm on that side of the equation. I'm not one who's hearing the voice of God and thinking, was that an angel? I'm thinking, eh, that's just a coincidence. That's just natural causes. That's just the way things are. This very interesting thing happens, though, at the, just on the heels of that. So Jesus says, or Jesus says, Father, glorify yourself. The Father says, I have glorified myself, and I'll glorify myself again. And they're like, ooh, did you hear that thunder? And someone's like, no, that wasn't thunder. I think he's talking to an angel. And then Jesus says this. He says, um, he says that whole that thing about what's going to happen to him. That the, the, at the end, you know, it says this. They said all this to say how he's going to die, right? And he says that stuff about the seed going into the ground and how it produces all these things. And he says, now is my hour, right? This is what I've come for. And what's going to happen in his hour? The ruler of this world is going to be cast out. What an interesting phrase. The ruler of this world is going to be cast out by the work of Christ. That, my friends, is one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture for me. That the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. Because if there is a ruler of this world and he needs to be cast out, then therein lies the cause of so much darkness. You see, God is coming to deal with evil. God is coming to deal with that which would destroy. He's going to come and deal with sickness. He's going to come and deal with disease. He's going to come and deal with Poverty, he's going to come and deal with economic disasters. He's going to come and he's going to make that which is wrong right. And he's going to do that through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Like that's going to be the work that he does that overcomes those things. And that's good news. And I think, I think that idea that the hour of the Lord is, is the, the beginning of the work that's going to overthrow the ruler of this world. So the, what's being overthrown there is, I think, certainly, 
not God, right? Jesus isn't overthrowing God. What's being overthrown is the devil. Like, that's the ruler of the world. If you want to know why things sometimes are dark, it's not because of God. As John would say later in a different book that he wrote, God is light. And light casts out darkness. And that's the process that we're currently in. And that's why Jesus then teaches us to pray as he does. Our Father, the one in the heavens, let your name be sanctified. Right? Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will happen. Let it come to be. Let it be done. As in heaven, also on the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into a time of testing for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In particular, that, that first stanza of the Lord's Prayer, I think is exactly, we are praying for what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's listen carefully to that prayer. It seems to suggest that God's kingdom is fully established in heaven, in the spiritual realm. And it suggests that God's will is fully realized, fully accomplished in heaven, in the spiritual realm. But what we're being taught to pray for is that that kingdom and that will will come and be realized here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we've been taught to pray for. And that's part or a big part of what God is doing. The challenge that we have is that we live in this liminal space and time. We're in between, right? We're in between the, the beginning of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, its inauguration, right? And its fulfillment, its consummation. So it's at the return of Christ that he returns and he brings and uh, realizes, fulfills the kingdom on earth. Like, that's our hope. It's not just simply that when we die, we get to go to heaven and then it's all done for us, right? Even that is a penultimate event. That is not the end. That's like next to the end. Like we believe in a resurrection. Like we're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But our belief in the resurrection of Jesus is that resurrection will also mean a resurrection for us. And our resurrected bodies will then live forever and ever in the new heaven and new earth. And the new heaven and new earth is this earth that's being transformed by the very coming of the kingdom. So that our prayer is actually directed at how all this stuff ends. And when it all ends, the ruler of this world will have been utterly kicked out. And that's why, in the end, 
when we're living in the heavenly kingdom, right? When we're living in the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more tears, right? The tears will have been wiped away because it will have brought an end to sin, to evil, to death, to separation, to all those things that I struggle with so much now. So <clears throat> I put my trust in Jesus, the one who has come and is the word that was in the beginning with God, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, the word that is full of grace and truth, Jesus of Nazareth, because he lived his life and when his time came, he didn't shirk back from his responsibility, but he leaned in with faith and trust in the Heavenly Father. And he knew that what all that would mean. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that when we come to the table. Right? We're remembering his death and the sacrifice and the resurrection. Do this in remembrance of me until I come. It's like practice for what John will later call the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what communion is. It's like, it's like the rehearsal um, dinner. And then the marriage supper of the Lamb is like the reception, right, after the wedding. And we get to eat at both, both accounts, <laughs> right? We eat at the rehearsal. We do that every week, right? We constantly rehearse what it's going to be like to come into the kingdom and to be delivered from all this mess. And one of these days, it's not going to be rehearsal anymore. One of these days, it's going to be fulfilled. One of these days, we're not going to be sitting around wondering, was that thunder? Because then we will all know that we have heard the voice of God. We will all know because we will all see. We'll have come out of the shadows and we'll have stepped into the marvelous light. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.